Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. Welcome to episode 34, in which we discuss ventilate or die. All right, I'm a little dramatic. We're also going to discuss backup cameras, some van news, I'll explain, and a product review of the Gas One Butane Slash Propane Stove. I also have a couple of announcements, and I'm going to recommend an app for you that I'm pretty excited about. So let's go. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Let's dive right in here. Um, I received a request to talk about ventilation, because ventilation is the key to life in a van. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend quite a bit of time talking about ventilation. It will be the main feature here. You must ventilate your van. You must have ventilation. And if you don't believe me, I challenge you to go rent a U-Haul van and just spend the night in it. That's it. That's all you'll need. That one night in that van will convince you that ventilation is super important. Now, why is ventilation important? There's a lot of reasons, actually. It's not just necessarily obvious. The number one most important reason to ventilate is moisture. Moisture is going to kill you and your van. Well, again, I'm like being a little overdramatic today, but moisture is is very, very bad for your van. Not only does it lead to rust, and, and this is something people notice, is that they, they'll cut out a hole for a window, and then those little metal shavings just kind of trickle down, and maybe you don't clean them up very well. And then after a couple of weeks, they turn into these little rust monsters, maybe rust bunnies, except they're kind of disgusting. They don't really hurt your van, but they just leave a mess. That's just from moisture in your van. Think about this. You are breathing in your van. Every time you exhale, you are releasing moist air. And then, hey, if you make a pot of spaghetti and you're boiling water, holy cow, the moisture released into your van is amazing. It needs a way out. Otherwise, things in your van are just going to get more and more damp and you're going to have problems with mold and funky smells and it's just not a good scene. Now, I know they sell products that, you know, like these bags that like absorb moisture and dry your van out and stuff. And it's fine to have a couple of those in your van, but you can't rely on those. You really need good old-fashioned ventilation to let air come in and out. And that's just the moisture issue. You also have the obvious issue of heat. If it's hot in your van, you want to let the heat out and let cold air come in. Then there is the issue of air quality. Depending on what kind of furniture you've put in your van, what kind of flooring, what kind of wall coverings, all that stuff tends to off-gas things that you might not want to breathe. People can go crazy on this stuff and think that, oh my god, everything in my van is going to kill me. I, I'm not trying to get there. But sure, there are some things, especially with new stuff, that kind of fill your van with smells and things you don't necessarily want to breathe. So it's another reason to ventilate. And finally, you need to get out any exhaust gases. And it's arguable that they should never be in your van in the first place. And I don't mean exhaust from the engine. I mean exhaust from things you're cooking. If you're using a butane or propane stove or heater in the van, that is going to pump out some gases that you don't want in there. And that's a whole other discussion about whether that's safe or not. And I'm going to put that aside for now. Also, burning butane and propane adds a lot of moisture to the air too. So you're back at that first problem. Okay, you understand the problem. How do you deal with it? Well, let's start simple. Let's start with cracked doors. If you have a, a sliding door in your van or two sliding doors like I have in my van, you can get some great ventilation if you just shut the doors halfway. They'll still be locked, 
But that gap that doesn't look like very much, I mean, you probably can't even fit your hand through it. Actually, if you add up the math, it's a big hole and a whole lot of ventilation could come in there. So at night, what I do is I turn on my roof vent and it sends air out and it can pull air in those doors. And that is great. Yes, it's a security issue a little bit. And of course, bugs can kind of sneak in there. I get all that. But even with that, I think it's a good, simple, no-cost solution to consider. You also have, of course, the windows. You have windows in your van that you can roll down. Same problems. You lose some security, and you've got a bug problem. And yes, there's screens, and that, that's another different topic. But hey, for simple, you've got that. Also, not a lot of people think about this, but the vents in your dashboard... If you leave your climate control system set, set to fresh air as opposed to recirculate, there's a vent that's open that goes to the outside. And if you have a fan in the back that's sucking air out, it's going to pull air in through those vents. So make sure you don't leave it on recirculate at night, un unless you want to, unless you're trying to limit ventilation, which I'm not saying is a good idea. Also, there's another set of vents in every vehicle that a lot of people get confused about, especially when you're building out your van. So I want to point them out. In the very back of your van or your car, there are vents usually near the floor. And they're one-way vents. They only let air out. They don't let air in. There's a, a rubber flap that closes the vent. These are called slam vents. And their purpose is so that when you shut the door, you're not compressing air in there that's going to push back against the door and make it difficult to shut. Some people cover these up in their builds and then later on find out it's really hard to shut the doors unless they've added other ways for the air to get out. The reason I'm pointing these out here with ventilation is that if you have roof vents that suck air in, that air will go out those vents. So it's kind of an extra bonus way to get air out. But remember, they're near the floor, so you're going to be letting cooler air out. And, uh, and that's actually not ideal. You'd rather the, situ the situation was reversed, but you can't really do that. And no, I do not recommend defeating those vents. Don't disable them and don't make them two-way because exhaust can get in there. But let's talk about roof vents because that's a an obvious place to go. Here's an interesting fact to know. Roof vents, almost all of them, use a 14-inch square opening. And that's been true for decades. And it's also true for roof air conditioners. Basically, any kind of roof air conditioner or vent, I don't care what brand it is, is going to fit a 14-inch hole. That means if you already have something up there, it's easy to replace it. Now, there are some exceptions. But if you're looking at you know, your typical Max Airs, your Fantastics, your Coleman's, all that stuff, it's 14 inches. So that's an important thing to remember. I highly recommend you have a roof vent in your van, and there's a bunch of different ways to do it. One of the most popular ways is with the Max Air line of fans. That's the one I see the most often now. And they come from super fancy to super simple. The super fancy ones have things like rain guards, where they will close automatically when it rains, or even the fancier ones, they don't have to close when it rains because they have this cowl that sits over the vent that goes up and down. They have thermostats, they have remote controls. You can get super fancy with these things, but you don't need to. Now, Fantastic fans are similar. They just don't seem to be as popular right now, but it's the same idea. These are very high power fans that have a lot of fancy options. But you can also get a lot of ventilation with what I call the cheap RV vent. These are your standard square vent that there's a crank and you open it up and that's it. And sometimes there's a little fan in there, but not usually. And there's a screen and that's it. And if it rains, 
you get water in your van. And if you leave it up while you're driving, you risk ripping it off, which is something I have literally done in my life. That 14-inch vent is a huge, important option, but it does take up roof space. So what if you have a limited amount of roof space, but you still want a vent for the roof? Well, there is a solution. It is called the Ventline Van Air, and this is actually what I have in my NV200. And it's a, it's a, bit, it's a mushroom vent, basically. It's about the size of a personal pizza, a very small one, like a frozen personal pizza, like the kind that you could probably eat two of. And it has a pop-up handle on the inside. You push on that, and you can do just one side or the whole thing. And then there's a squirrel cage fan in it, which is different than most of them. Most of them have like a, a traditional propeller fan. This one's a squirrel cage, which is actually what you'd find in the dashboard. And it moves a decent amount of air for its size. And it has some nice advantages that you can leave it open all the time and rain will never get in there. The hole is fairly small, which means you can fit it in places where you can't fit the bigger vents. And it has its own built-in switch, so you just turn it on and off there, or you can add another switch. One drawback is, is that it's not reversible. Ideally, you would like to have your fan in your roof be reversible so you can suck in and blow out. This one only blows out, but that's a minor thing. In the best world, though, you would install two of these. But let's say that for whatever reason, your roof is off-limits. You can't do anything up there. Maybe it's fiberglass, maybe it's completely covered with solar panels, whatever. You can also add side vents onto the side of your van. A couple ways to do this is the marine clamshell vent, and it's called that because it kind of looks like a clam. You find these on boats all the time. They look like a clam with, with one end open. So if you can imagine a clam with its mouth kind of sort of open, that's what it looks like. And they're either passive or they do make ones with blowers. They tend to be chrome, although there are white plastic ones, and they're also kind of expensive. But it is an option, especially if you're trying to go stealth. These things are pretty small and, and unnoticeable, although I, I have a better stealth option I'll get to at the end. Also, there are vents called trailer vents. These are typically installed in utility trailers, and they're a rounded rectangle shape with a handle on the inside, and it's very primitive. It's kind of what you'd find in old cars from the 30s. It's just a metal flap that opens and closes. They usually have screens. It wouldn't be too hard to add one. That's an option you have, too. The idea comes up often, why don't we put vents in the floor? If you're trying to completely ventilate your van, you would want to have an inlet in one part of the van and the outlet at the extreme opposite end of the van. So if you have a fan vent in the ceiling, you'd want a hole in the floor. Well, the floor is a tricky place to put vents because things, water and dirt and stuff can get up there, obviously. But you also have the issue of exhaust, and that's a much bigger problem. Or at least it's a bigger worry. If you are idling for any period of time and the wind is the right way, it's very possible for exhaust gases to build up under your van, and then they can come up that vent. And that's bad. So if you do decide to take a risk with a floor vent, make sure that you can close it very securely and make sure that you pay attention to what's going on. I, I, it's, I don't really recommend it just for these reasons. Although nearly as dangerous is what I did, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this unusual solution to a ventilation problem. So again, my van, very small, roof is covered with solar panels, I don't have a lot of space up there, I have one Ventline Van Air fan up there, which I'm very happy with. But I find that I need more ventilation to come into the van. I don't always want to open my doors or windows because I'm pretty stealth with my van. 
So I'm thinking, where can I put another vent? I didn't want to put it in the floor. And I'm looking around the back of my van, and I realize I've got this big license plate there. What if there's a vent behind the license plate? So this is literally what I did. I took off my license plate, cut a big hole behind the license plate, which was a little scary. I made sure all the wiring was out of the way. Made sure that that hole continued through to the door card. And then on the outside, I installed a piece of gutter screen to kind of keep out any insects. And then behind that, there's a piece of furnace filter to keep out smaller insects and also try to cut down on dust and stuff. On the inside, there is a register grate like you would find in the floor of a home with forced air heat. And I cover that with a big sheet of magnet. And that's how I close it off. Now, it does work. Uh, if I turn on that fan on the ceiling and I put a piece of paper or whatever in front of this vent, you can see it move. There's definitely air coming in. Just to be honest with this thing, a couple of problems I've had with it is that the magnet likes to slip off, which is bad. And the way my bed unfolds, it actually touches the back door and the vent is below the bed. And that isn't ideal. So I'm not entirely happy with it. But I can tell you this, it does let air in, and it is very stealth. You cannot see this thing at all. I actually put the license plate on a couple of spacers to stick it out of the van, maybe an inch. It's completely invisible. And here's another thing that gets so often overlooked. Air out your van. I recommend, if you can, every morning, regardless of the temperature, just open all the doors for a minute or two and let air come in, recirculate all that air. It will help dry out your bedding. It'll help remove any odors. And, and sometimes those odors get in sneaky places, like in your soft wall coverings or your curtains. Airing out the van can make a huge difference. Now that I've said all this stuff about ventilation, what does that mean for you if you're building your van? Well, one thing it means is to run wiring to your ceiling that is separate from the lights. Even if you don't think you want a roof vent now, prepare for it because you might change your mind. And it isn't that big of a deal just to run a wire up there. And if you never use it, fine. But if you don't have a wire up there, and then you decide you want to add a roof vent, that can be a pain in the butt. So plan for it. And remember, it doesn't have to be super expensive. Also, if you are afraid of cutting a hole in your van or your roof, I urge you to get over it. And, and this is what helped me do it the very first time. Anything you do is fixable. If your hole is too small, it's easy to make it bigger. If your hole is too big, it's a little bit more difficult, but you can always patch it with another big piece of metal. This is one of the nice things about having an older van. You care a little bit less about stuff like this. So that's it for ventilation. It's super important, and it's actually not that hard, but you need to think about it immediately when you start building your van. And I hope it helps you stay a little bit cool this summer and a little bit more comfortable this winter. Tech Talk. Hey, one thing we haven't talked about before, backup cameras. So here's the thing with vans. You generally can't see out the back window, or if you can, you're not getting a great view. So backing up a van is a lot more dangerous than backing up a car. Now, I learned how to drive a truck as a teenager, so I use my mirrors a lot. I mean, I, I, I can back up forever with my mirrors. I'm totally comfortable with them, and I mean my side mirrors. And backup cameras are a little foreign to me, so I'm still getting used to them. 
but I did install one in my van, and boy, I really like it. If for nothing else, it tells me that there isn't a toddler standing behind my van, which I could not see with my side mirrors. In fact, if you've ever seen a utility truck park on your street, and there's a cone in front of the truck and in back of the truck, those cones are there primarily to force the driver to get out and look to make sure there aren't kids there. It's, a, it's an issue. So, how do you install a backup camera? Well, it turns out they're fairly cheap and fairly simple to install. You need a screen and a camera, and those are getting near universal. And then you need a switch. Well, obviously you need power. There's two basic ways to do this from a camera point of view. You can get a license plate camera, which is just a bracket that goes around your license plate, or maybe just a bar, and it has a camera built into it. Or you can get a standalone camera that you just mount somewhere. I, on my van, have the license plate bar camera, and on my wife's car, I installed just the camera. And there isn't that much difference in the installation. It's more on how you're going to mount it. So I have no preference either way. They're basically the same thing. Wiring, you need to run a wire from the camera all the way to the front of the vehicle, obviously. Now, ideally, you will do this inside the vehicle if you can. In both vehicles, I went completely through the inside. It's a lot of work fishing around stuff. If that doesn't appeal to you, yeah, you can go you can go down underneath the van. Just be very sure that you use a wire loom or protect those wires in some way and don't attach wires to anything that moves. That's a tricky thing. If you don't really understand how the shocks work and the leaf springs and all that, that's bad. And you also want to stay away from the exhaust. One tricky thing though in vans is is that license plates on vans tend to be on the door. They're either on the on the barn doors or on the lift gate. That means you have to run the wire from the license plate through a rubber tube that connects the wiring in the door to the van and then fish it through there. It's, it's, it can actually be a bit of a pain. It's not impossible. Obviously, I've done it twice. And there are already wires in there because the backup lights might be there, tail lights. It depends on what van you have. But definitely the light that lights up your license plate will be through that wire. So you know that that exists. Now, if all this talk about wiring has has bothered you and you're like, I don't want to deal with all this crap, here's two things that can help. One, you probably have a source of 12-volt power in your ceiling already up front, and that would be your map lights and your dome light, depending on which van you have. Those things always have power. So you can tap off of that. Now you have to be careful because you're going to be, if you tap off of that, you're going to be adding more amperage to whatever fuse is on that circuit and you could blow it. Although I found that that isn't really a big problem because these things don't draw that much. The other thing to consider is that there are wireless backup cameras, which is something you can do. Now, if you do that, you're going to have two big antennas to deal with, um, but they're not that big. They're about four inches and they're going to, they're going to stick out. So it's a lot less stealth, but it's also a lot less wiring And then it's also a lot more problematic because the chances of it not working are greater. So I'll have some links in the show notes to the different backup cameras, but I highly recommend that if you have a van that doesn't have an installed backup camera, go ahead and get one. And you can buy screens that you mount or that replace your rear view mirror, and you can have a switch where you can turn it on and off anytime you want, or you can run it to the reverse gear and have it turn on anytime you go in reverse. And if you have certain stereos, it's built into the stereo. My Pioneer radio that I have installed in my van has a circuit just for this that now whenever I put the van in reverse, the rear view picture comes up on the screen. 
I'm sorry, I sort of muddled the end of that there, but definitely look into backup cameras. They're a great thing to have in a van. Tales from the road. Or not. So it turns out that I've gotten some feedback that Tales from the Road is the least popular part of my podcast. So this week I'm just going to not do it, and uh, I'm going to deprecate it as a feature, and I will do it less often with more interesting stories. So thank you for that feedback. Feedback is super important. It's the hardest thing about doing a podcast is to get feedback and to act on it. So instead of doing Tales on the Road, I'm just going to talk about some quick van news, uh, some things I've learned lately. Um, number one thing, and this happened a couple months ago, Nissan has announced that they are dropping all of their vans in the United States. No more NVs of any kind. No more NV200s like mine. No more NV full-size vans. They're getting out of the commercial van market entirely in the U.S. And uh, that's very disappointing to me, not because I'm incredibly in love with Nissan's vans, but because we have so few van options here already, and now we have one less. So that's kind of a bummer. And then I've got another bummer for you, I'm afraid. Uh, Walmarts are increasingly limiting van overnighting. The new stat is that 54% of Walmarts, I think was the stat, now allow overnight parking down from something in the 70s when they first started allowing this. So it's getting harder to park, which might make stealth a little bit more attractive because you can get away with things a little bit more often. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of scrutiny on van life right now. And unfortunately, some people have taken advantage of Walmarts and now we're going to pay the price. And to be fair, it isn't Walmart necessarily making these decisions. It's the local communities telling Walmart that they can't do this. So keep an eye on that. One other thing is that RV life is booming right now. Because of COVID, because people are afraid to fly and travel, people are buying up RVs like crazy. They're buying up vans like crazy. And sadly, for someone just starting out, all the prices of these things are going up because there's such demand on them. So I've been watching pricing on a Class B RV, which is a van, and they're higher than I've ever seen, ever. It is so much cheaper to buy a Class C, which is a much bigger RV than a Class B right now. The nice thing is, is that if you're looking for a commercial van to build out, there's still a pretty good selection of those. And I imagine that will actually be getting better because there are a lot of businesses going under right now. And a lot of businesses have a lot of vans. So all those vans are starting to come on the market and that's going to create some pressure there. High top vans are still hard to find and getting harder to find, sadly. But low top vans, there are many, 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 many of them. So maybe that's a little bit of good news. I don't know. Let me know what you think about news. Uh, I can not do van life news, or I can. If you think it's something worthwhile, let me know. All right, product review. Folks, I love my stove. I love it. It's a single one burner Gas One Butane Propane Stove. Almost everybody has this thing. Comes in a little suitcase plastic case and you put in a canister of butane, you, you close the lid, you turn the knob, it starts itself, nice heat. I love it. And they're only like 20 bucks. It's amazing. It's just such a great solution for so little money. But I actually spent a little bit more and got one that also burns propane. One of the biggest problems with butane is that if you run out while you're on the road, it's really hard to find. And when you do find it, it's expensive. You can buy it in bulk on Amazon and it's not that bad. I mean, a year's supply costs like $12 or something. But on the road, you can pay like eight bucks for a single can. Propane's a lot easier to find. 
and Walmart typically has four cans of propane for about 12 bucks. This stove will take both and how it does that, it has a, a hose that's an adapter. So when you flip open the door to put in the butane, instead you hook up this hose and then it has a little tiny regulator and then that can go onto your one pound propane canister or if you really want, you can hook it up to the giant propane tank. You just need some adapters. The only one I've seen that's like this is made by Gas One. Most of these butane stoves are identical to each other, but hey, I have to say this one has worked great and the few times I've needed it, I was super glad to be able to switch it over to propane. So I'll have a link in the show notes, but it's the Gas One Butane Propane Stove. Honestly, it's great, and if you need two burners, just buy two of these. Okay, a place to visit. This is a bit of an announcement. Um, In my normal life, not that my life has ever been normal, I plan trips for groups of people and go to weird, interesting, curious places. We've been literally all around the world. And the last trip we took was to Asia in 2019. We went to Singapore and China and Hong Kong and Vietnam and Thailand. And we did all these things. And yes, it was an expensive trip. It cost several thousand dollars and it took a couple weeks. But I... I feel like I can't do that for next year because of all the stuff that's going on. So I'm going to do a very different trip, and it's one that's friendly for van life. I'm going to do a custom tour of Salem, Massachusetts, which is where I grew up. I know a lot about Salem. I know a lot of weird stuff about Salem that isn't in the normal tours, and I think I can make this a very exciting trip. Plus, it will give you a chance to camp in one of the weirdest places you can camp, which is an airplane hangar in a fort. (laughs) Um, uh, anyway, I I will be talking more about this later, but if you're interested in learning about this trip, I have a group on Facebook just for it. It's called Curious Adventurers Guild. So if you go on Facebook and type in Curious Adventurers Guild, you can come to the group and everybody's allowed in and you can see what we're doing here. This is not a money-making venture. This is a fun thing to do. I feel like we all need something to look forward to. And Salem, Mass has such a rich history Forget the witch stuff for a moment. Even if the witch stuff wasn't there, it would still have an incredibly rich history, and I would love to share that with you. So I look forward to you joining the group, and we can talk about it some more. All right, resource recommendation. I was in Aurora, Nevada, and there were these brown posts everywhere that had this QR code on them. So I didn't have internet, but I took a picture of the QR code, and I researched it, and it was a link to Avenza Maps, A-V-E-N-Z-A maps with the idea that you would download a topographical map of the area and it's free now they do sell maps on this they have all kinds of maps but boy if you're looking for topographical maps like if you think you're going to go hiking in an area or you're in a mountainous area in blm land and you're looking for a level spot this app is great it's not Waze, it's not google maps it's just a place to store maps that you've downloaded and it has this enormous library and many of the maps are free i'll have a link in the show notes but check it out it's called avenza maps a-v-e-n-z-a and i'm really loving having it i got a quick q a Somebody asked, how do you stealth camp when you can't find a level place to park? And this is a common problem on city streets. Like I know in Chicago, our streets have a swale. That is that they're highest in the middle of the street and then they 
kind of taper off and go down towards the gutters so that water will head to the gutters and eventually to the storm drains. And when you park there, your van's tilted. You're tilted towards the curb, and that necessarily uh, that isn't necessarily a comfortable way to sleep. So this was asked on Facebook, and people were saying, well, hey, you can just drive on blocks, or you can install airbags. There's all these complicated solutions. I want to offer a simple solution that I think everyone should consider when they're building out their van. Don't level the van. If you level the van, you're losing stealth, and it creates complexity. You have to get out of the van and level it. People are going to see you doing that. And when you leave, you have to unlevel it. So if you've got blocks, you've got to go get them. And it makes the van look funny. If every car on the street is tilted and yours isn't, that makes it more noticeable. So here's my solution, and I've done this. Don't level the van. Level the bed. Cooking, all that kind of stuff, do that somewhere else. Only stealth camp on streets when you're ready to sleep. And when you're ready to sleep, level the bed. You have to design your bed so that it is not permanently attached. My bed is just a piece of furniture. I can take it out anytime I want. And it has legs. And all I have to do to level it is to raise or lower the legs by putting something under them. That's it. And my bed folds in half like you were sitting up in that direction. So often I find I don't need to level the whole bed. I just need to level my head a little bit because my legs don't care as much as my head does. And honestly, it's been fine. I've been on pretty unlevel surfaces and been able to fix it with that. So if you're on an unlevel surface and you need to level your, your bed, just level your bed. You don't have to level the whole van. It's not that important. Folks, thank you very much for listening to this episode 34. I absolutely appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in each week. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg, a.k.a. Sir Mouge. And if for any reason you need to contact me or want to contact me or yell at me or give me criticism, I'm always happy to hear it. I am Jeff Wagg at jeff at builttogo.com. That's two T's, not one, not three. And remember, until next time, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes but in having new eyes. Marcel Proust.